So this morning we are continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark. Over the next 16 weeks, we will be unpacking this book, one story from every chapter over the next 16 weeks. If you're joining us for the first time, in 2020 we worked our way through the entire Old Testament. 2021, we're going to work our way through the entire New Testament. And so in our story that Melanie just read for us, we have arrived at the fifth of five controversy stories that Jesus has with the religious elite in chapters 2 through 3, 6. And what we have in this story is a man who has been healed on the Sabbath. And today what we're going to be talking about is the danger of legalism. And we're going to unpack here in a moment how to define that. But we're going to be answering four questions today that you can find on the back of your bulletin if you want to follow along. Number one, we're going to be answering What is legalism? Number two, how does it manifest itself? Number three, what causes it? And then number four, why is it dangerous? Now, I can speak to you from personal experience because I am a recovering legalist, okay? Generally speaking, everyone in this room today either falls on the side of rules or you fall on the side of grace, basically. Most human beings drift towards one of those two extremes. You're either more likely to walk the straight and narrow and follow the rules, or you're more likely to view the rules as suggestions to apologize for after the fact when you have broken them, okay? And in this story, Jesus comes up against the Pharisees who are, in his day, the experts in the law, the experts in making sure that everybody followed the law precisely. So there are a lot of definitions that we could use. What is legalism? Well, generally speaking, most people would define it as focusing on the letter of the law rather than the spirit behind the law. For example, I don't know what the speed limit is right out here on 84. I probably should. But I don't know what the speed limit is, but let's just say it's 45 miles an hour. If you are a true rule follower, a true legalist, no matter what happens, you will never go one mile an hour over 45. doesn't matter if your wife is in labor in the passenger seat next to you. If you are a true rule follower, nothing can prevent you from going 45 miles an hour. Now, there is a great little book written by a man named Sinclair Ferguson. He's a pastor, author, theologian. He's wrote a great little book called The Whole Christ. And in that book, he spends a great amount of time talking about the difference between legalism and antinomianism, which is just a fancy word for saying lawlessness or no law. So generally speaking, as I said at the beginning, we fall between one of two extremes, legalism or antinomianism. And in that book, he takes us back to Genesis chapter 3, the very first encounter that Eve has with the serpent. You know the story well. In verse 1, it says, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The tactic that the serpent used on Eve was getting her to believe in a distorted view of the law of God. 
The commandment that God gave Adam and Eve about not eating of a particular tree was not put in place to make them miserable. It was put in place because he knows better than they did about what they most needed. So what Ferguson argues in that book is Eve's rejection of the commandment not to eat from the fruit that God told her not to was actually an expression of her legalism. Stay with me. Because from her perspective, the law of God was in place to restrict her, to make her miserable. She had a narrow view of what God's law actually is designed to be. Therefore, her legalism is actually what led to her violating that commandment. So a better definition The definition that I would encourage you to use when defining legalism is separating the law of God from the person of God. So in the Garden of Eve, Eden, excuse me, in the Garden of Eden, Eve saw God telling her not to eat of this tree as a restrictive command rather than understanding that God put that law in place because he could see the full picture that Eve couldn't. The law to avoid eating from the fruit was not to make Eve's life miserable. It was because he knew what that sin would cause to happen in her life. So, for example, here's what Ferguson says about this distorted view of God. God becomes a magnified policeman who gives his law only because he wants to deprive us and in particular to destroy our joy. The lie that we now believe is that to glorify God is not, indeed cannot be, to enjoy him forever, but to lose all joy. That is the understanding of somebody who has a distorted view of the law of God. God doesn't give us commandments and laws to make us miserable. He actually gives us laws and commandments because he knows that is what will actually make us most free to live the life. to take care of his yard and as a teenager all I could think was this is my dad's attempt to restrict my freedom this is his opportunity to not allow me to sleep in to not watch tv to not go out with my friends in my legalistic narrow view of understanding the chore of cutting the grass this is what I thought my dad was after he was trying to make my life miserable well now looking back on it I can understand why he asked me to cut the grass. It wasn't to make my life miserable. It was to teach me responsibility and work ethic and taking care of the things that God has given us. And so my dad saw a fuller picture of what I viewed as this evil attempt to ruin my life every five to seven days between March and October when I had to cut the grass and edge it and weed eat it and fertilize it. It's because I had an incomplete picture of why my dad put that law in place in my life. 
And it was the same way for Eve in the garden. She didn't understand why out of all of these trees, this one tree was the only one that she could not eat from. And the reason she didn't understand is because she had a distorted view behind why God gave her that law. So what does all this have to do with the story that we just read? The Pharisees in this passage were consumed with a specific law. And that law was, you do not heal on the Sabbath. Now there's an ancient historian, Josephus, who gives us a lot of background information about Jesus and about the Pharisees. And here's what he says about the Pharisees. They were precise in defining the law and they were strict in keeping it. Now, the understanding of the Sabbath comes from Genesis 2, where God himself rested on the seventh day after creating everything in the world. In fact, when you get into the Ten Commandments, you will find that the most commentary of any of the Ten Commandments is in the commandment about the Sabbath. Four verses are spent discussing the Sabbath. It was taken so seriously that we learn in Exodus 30, 15, that it was actually, excuse me, 31, 15, it was punishable by death. The Sabbath was taken very, very seriously by the Jewish people, not only of Moses' day, but in Jesus' day. And so this understanding of the Sabbath, these Pharisees would have been very familiar with. The only time healing was allowed on the Sabbath was when someone's life had to be saved. And somebody having a hand that was withering away was not considered life-threatening. So, what is legalism? It's separating the law of God from the person of God. Number two, how does it manifest itself? Look at verse two. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. In this particular passage, the legalism manifested itself by trying to catch Jesus in the act of breaking the law. It's like a police officer who hides in the alley with his gun ready to pop whoever drives by going faster than the speed limit. Not that that's ever happened to me, of course. The Pharisees were waiting to pounce on Jesus. They were waiting to see if he would actually heal on the Sabbath, which Jesus himself knew was against the rules, and the Pharisees also certainly knew it as well. But here's the deal. They were already suspicious of Jesus. Remember, last week we learned in Mark 2 that they were calling him a blasphemer because he was forgiving sin or he was claiming to forgive sin. So the Pharisees already don't like Jesus. Let's be honest here. We have all done this before. We've all called people out for disobeying the rules and the regulations. Especially if it's somebody that you don't like or someone you disagree with. We are waiting to pounce on that person. How many celebrities or how many pastors that we like or don't like and they fall and we say, see, I told you so. I knew that person was like that. Guess what? When we do that, we're being a Pharisee. 
And that's exactly what was happening in this passage. Of course, we don't dismiss sin or deny that somebody misbehaved, but the reason the Pharisees called out Jesus here is because they don't like him. They were a threat to everything that their group was about. And when we begin to play the comparison game, when we look at other people and are pouncing and waiting for them to violate some aspect of the law, oftentimes the reason we do it is because our heart disposition towards that person is not what it should be. The Pharisees in this passage, they should have been most concerned with the fact that there was a man in their synagogue who had a withered hand. But instead, what they were most concerned with was making sure that someone, Jesus, who had the power to heal this man, would not use it in a way that would violate their law. So how does it manifest itself? It manifests itself when we begin to observe what other people are doing so that when they fail, we can call them out on it. Number three, what causes it? Look at verse five. And he looked around at them with anger. This is Jesus speaking. Grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. So what is the first cause? Number one, our hearts become hardened. Hearts that have a distorted view of who God is. Hearts that are more concerned with the letter of the law than the people who actually need the one who can give them healing. Josephus, the Jewish historian that I mentioned earlier, also tells us that the Pharisees were not just concerned with keeping the Mosaic law. Part of their tradition was not only keeping the Mosaic law, but also interpreting the Mosaic law and adding more rules on top of the Mosaic law. So in other words, the Pharisees had these twin pillars of Torah and their own tradition. They weren't just regulators of the Mosaic law, they would interpret the Mosaic law and they would add even more laws on top of it. You see, someone who is a rule follower is oftentimes proud of the fact that they keep the rules. I can give you an example of this in my own life. Remember, I told you I'm a recovering legalist. In college, I didn't miss a single class all four years. Now, I think I missed maybe one because I was out of town or something. There's no gold star involved in this. In fact, most of you are thinking, what a loser this guy is. Who doesn't sleep in in college or at least miss one class or whatever? But I'm a rule follower. So if my class met Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 8 to 8.50, I was there. And the only reason that matters is because as a rule follower, I enjoy telling people that I like to follow the rules. So exactly what happens with the Pharisees. Half the time, they don't even really care what the rule is about. They just want you to know that they're the ones keeping the rules. The rule itself is not as important as checking off the box to let people know that you followed the rule. See, legalism in this story and in our own hearts only leads to a self-inflated view 
of yourself, which is the exact opposite from what Jesus teaches us in the Gospels. When he tells us to lay down our lives, to take up our cross daily and follow after him, the way of Jesus is not the way of self-exaltation, it's the way of humiliation. That is the way of Jesus. You know, of all of the gospel stories that you can read, you'll find this out as we work our way through Mark. Jesus spends probably 80 to 90% of his time rebuking the very people who thought they were right with God. He spends very little time rebuking and criticizing those that are not having a relationship with God. Instead, he spends most of his time criticizing those that claimed to have a right relationship with God. Why did he have to do that? Because the people that claimed to have a right relationship with God did not actually have a right relationship with God. They were keeping all of these rules and regulations, and they were prideful about it, all at the expense of people who actually needed to hear of the love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that Jesus himself offers. So number one, legalism causes us to have a hardened heart. And then number two, what legalism does, it makes us lose control. So much of rule following is a desire to have power and control. You see, when you're simply focusing on a list of do's and don'ts and regulations, you know exactly what is expected of you to do. And as long as you follow those rules, you are in control of everything that happens. The loss of control in this passage is what the Pharisees were most scared of. They weren't as concerned about Jesus himself as they were that this man was coming to take control away from them, to lead people away from the teaching of the Pharisees, to lead people away from all of these additional commandments that the Pharisees added on to the Mosaic law. They had spent years and years and generations interpreting these Mosaic laws and adding on additional commandments to it. And this one man, Jesus, Jesus comes and he violates what they perceive to be the law regarding the Sabbath. Their legalism did not lead them to a deeper love of God. It led them to a deeper love of law. And there is a huge difference. And it also led them to a deeper distrust of people who actually needed to be healed by Jesus himself. So it is caused by a hardened heart and the desire for control. Now, number four, why is legalism dangerous? Look at verse six. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Legalism is dangerous because ultimately it leads to hatred. It leads to division. It leads to bitterness. It leads to animosity. Legalism will destroy you. 
our hearts will become skeptical of all people who might have a different motivation for living their life than we do. And we will begin to put up barriers towards the very people that we should be trying to reach. How can we ever proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs it if we are going to put up barriers to the very people that need to hear about Jesus? Hear me this morning. Do not expect lost people to act like Christians. That is madness. Lost people do not act like Christians. So why are we going to hold people who do not follow the teachings of Scripture, who do not understand the significance of what Jesus did for them on the cross, why would we hold them to a standard that they will never be able to live up to? The answer is because we are pharisaical in our thinking. That is not the way of Jesus. They are not Christians We cannot hold them to a standard that they do not know anything about. That is why we proclaim the good news of the gospel to them. Lost people do not have the spirit of God. They don't have conviction of sin. They don't have a desire to do the things that the word of God said. That's exactly why they need the gospel. Legalism will put up barriers between us and our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members and our friends that actually need to know why Jesus loves them. Always remember this. Every legalistic person is fine with legalism until they are the ones who break the rule. A couple of weeks ago, I was having a loving conversation with my spouse. I was letting her know that I thought perhaps she was on her phone a little bit too much in the evening when we should be spending time with the kids. And you can imagine how rewarding that conversation went. (laughs) And so the very next night, we were doing family devotion time as we do every night. We read a Bible passage. We uh, sing some songs with Bible verses. We pray And we were praying together, and, you know, I just happened to pull out my phone as one of my children were praying to look at it. The very, I believe it was the very next night after I encouraged my wife to be on her phone less. And I look across the room, and I see Ashley mouthing one word at me, and she said, hypocrite. (laughs) And she was absolutely right and I did not know at the time that this sermon was coming but how appropriate every legalist is okay with the rules until they are the one who breaks the rules and my response to Ashley was no 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 this is different than when you were on your phone the night before but in reality it wasn't any different at all every legalistic person is okay with following the rules until they are the one who violate the rule and then they will look for every excuse possible to explain away why in their particular instance it was okay to violate the law. And eventually, as a legalist, no matter how hard you try to keep the law of the land, to keep the laws of God, you will not be able 
to do it. You will have a moment of weakness. You will have a moment of just outright defiance and rebellion. And if you have built your identity on your ability to keep the law of God, your identity will come crashing down. Sinclair Ferguson, in that book that I referenced earlier, says this, legalism at root is the manifestation of a restricted heart disposition towards God, viewing him through a lens of negative law that obscures the broader context of the Father's character of holy love. Legalism is dangerous because it distorts our understanding of who God actually is. Hear me this morning. He is not sitting in heaven right now with his arms crossed, waiting for you to mess up so that he can tell you, I told you so. That is not the God that we serve. And if you ask me to show you proof, look at the life of God in the flesh, Jesus himself, who goes to Zacchaeus, that evil tax collector, and tells him, tonight I'm going to have dinner with you and your friends. Or the one who meets a Samaritan woman at the well who has had multiple husbands and the current man that she's living with is not her husband. And he sits down and he has a conversation with her. Or the man that we read about today who is in the middle of a church service and he heals a man with a withered hand. Brothers and sisters, legalism will destroy your soul. It will divide the church of Jesus Christ and it will damage the relationships that you were supposed to have with people who need to hear the good news of Jesus' love and grace and mercy and forgiveness towards them. So our response is very simple. It's twofold. Number one, every one of us in this room has to repent of our legalism. At some point in time, all of us have focused more on the letter of the law than the spirit of the law. We have had a distorted view of who God is, focusing more on the commandment itself than the why behind the commandment. I am not telling you that rules do not matter. I'm not telling you that the commandments of God are not important. They are vitally important. But the reason that we follow them is because God knows better than we do. We don't follow them so that we can be puffed up and arrogant about all of the rules and regulations that we can follow. We follow them because we know that to follow after God is where ultimate freedom actually comes from. So we repent. And then for everyone else who is not a follower of Jesus, I'm here to tell you this morning that the God that we serve loves you. And he knew far ahead of time that you would be incapable of keeping the law and the rules of God perfectly. So he sent Jesus to do it for you. Jesus kept the law. Jesus kept the rule perfectly for you. All you do is look to him and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. When Jesus is on the cross and he claims it is finished, that is him saying, I have done everything that my Father requires of you, and I have done it for you. Now come and receive the righteousness of God.
That is the gospel. Legalism must be destroyed. And how do we destroy it? By looking to Jesus, by trusting in what he has done for us on the cross. That is how it is destroyed. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this story. We thank you for the Pharisees. God, they get a bad rap as as they should. But Lord, help us to see ourselves in these Pharisees. We are all guilty at times of keeping the law and the commandments at the expense of loving other people and meeting them where they are. So forgive us for that. And God, if there is anyone in this room today who is thinking that my way to heaven is to just be a good person and to follow a list of rules, I pray that they would be convicted by your spirit today to understand that they can never do enough, but Jesus has done enough for them. God, we know that the word of God is active, it is alive, and it is working. So we pray during this time of response, we would respond to however you are leading us to do. We ask all these things in Christ's name, amen.